the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC on ESPN 19 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts is work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com as well as LineMovement.com. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight, as I am recording this on a Thursday night. Night before the weigh-ins, when all through the house not a creature was stirring. Except Marvin Vittori, subbing in for Kevin Holland, who was subbing in for Darren Till to fight Jack Hermanson. Uh, and that's what we will be breaking down from top to bottom. You can check the timestamps for that if you want to listen to less of me. I don't blame you, believe me. Uh, and, you know, again, whether you're on YouTube, uh, Daniel Tom MMA is the channel. Like and subscribe. Or Apple Podcasts, five-star ratings and reviews are helpful. I always include that timestamp in the show notes. Or if you really even want to, you know, lessen your experience with me, which, again, I don't blame you, go all the way to the end, and I recap my picks and plays as I tend to do for every breakdown episode here on the Bayou. Um, yeah, it's late night, Dan Tom, as you can tell. No alcohol, don't worry, just a little bit of Coke. Coca-Cola. Relax, folks. More that he, just some Coke. Oh, boy. That was funny. <laughs> uh, that probably explains a lot, the little sugar, the sugar dosage. Uh, I apologize, guys. We're, we're going we're gonna to get right to things here. Um, we're going to be recapping UFC uh, on ESPN 18, UFC Vegas 15 uh, for the first part. Uh, maybe quick thoughts on Tyson Jones. You guys don't care about that. Who cares? Uh, and um, going to give you guys uh, some of the listeners here as a shout-out for your guys' involvement uh, in the Black Friday click-through, so that'll be nice. And uh, then we'll push on, of course, to the breakdown UFC on uh, Vegas 16, uh, UFC on ESPN uh, 19, Hermanson Vittori, top to bottom. Oh, all right, folks. Of course, you can get the in-depth breakdown that just dropped at MMAJunkie.com on the top for anything I miss. Uh, I wrote up as well with uh, stats on both. Uh, some uh, picks and plays over there for on LineMovement.com uh, as well as, uh, you know, you can check out the Line Movement MMA betting show that dropped earlier this week as it usually hits the streets before this podcast. If you want to see a tease, which your boy is looking and leaning at. Uh, of course, that's recorded earlier in the week, uh, but all right, going to give you guys the freshness, because I actually did a, a decent amount of uh, shmape shmuddy uh, for what is a, a kind of credit card, and let's be honest, um, but it's what we're dealing with, so um, you know I'm not surprised, nor should this audience be, because you smart kids, you're a, you're a bunch of smart kids, that's what I love about this audience, by the way, like, you know, I know we're in December, and you can kind of feel it, right? Like from friends, family, colleagues, um, people you interact with. I know most of us hopefully are trying to do our due diligence, but hey, man, delivery is not cheap. It's not a luxury we all or I have at all times. Uh, so you got to get out into the world, right? And if, even if you're working from home like myself, 
and uh, with the people you interact with, sometimes you just you sense it, and, and it seems high the despair, and I feel like everybody's like two steps shy, going full Jerry Maguire from their job. I'm just trying to treat him nicely, like Dan Tom always does, and tip these delivery people extra, as I hope you guys are too, uh, for the slave drivers uh, that <laughs> whipping the chain over there, freaking possible Pinkertons. I know, I know, it's part of a but, mm-mm. but you guys do a. Uh, you guys do a service, uh, I was going to say, I'll save that for the shout-outs as far as the Amazon stuff, that's that's what that reminded me of, but uh, I guess just a quick positive message as we push forward here is, um, yeah, I've just been sensing like just so much negative, and I'm wondering, I guess, A, if you guys sense that too, you know, and I'm not talking about like online or on Twitter, because that's normal, there's just, hey man, I'm, I'm freaking Captain Weird myself, man, uh, I'm not perfect. I don't blame people for disliking me, but like you just come across those people no matter how nice you try to be. They're just going to try to argue or there's the straight out trolls um, that are just, you know, whether the troll, you know, picking on ladies or the women haters out there. There's, they're all, there's all these little legions, the point is, right? Like that's always going to be there. I'm not even talking about like the low hanging fruit that, you know, me, you or everyone else in podcast world tends to complain about. Like, I'm just talking about the general like human being level you know i feel like um i feel like there's a lot of you know it's really getting to a lot of people which i get man again i was your boy here is kind of like the pandemic lifestyle before uh it happened um and uh yeah yeah it, it, it can get at you so you know just make sure again like i said last week you're doing your due diligence reaching out to people um your, your loved ones and all that good stuff you know all those who matter and something I've been doing anytime I encounter, I'm I'm trying not to feed into it, even when it's like, you're like, uh, I hate using the word right or wrong because I'm not really a black or white person. And I, that's a real tricky perspective. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, even if you're quote unquote in the right or like you could really like own the person, like I found myself doing that, like whether it's in real life or online going like, you know what, let's just... Let's, uh, you know, insert GIF of, it's not not a GIF, but it should be Days to Confuse when the teacher, the history teacher, the, the hot one is uh, patting the kid, the, the kid on the head, <laughs> the kid, Sasha something, uh, uh, patting him on the head when he's trying to hit on her. <laughs> She's like, nice try. In other words, like, I just feel like that, taking that approach, just taking the high ground and like Aaron Bronsteder actually shared a much better example of what I'm trying to get at here. On Fernanda Pratis' podcast, Best Camp of My Life, which you should be subscribing to. Uh, another excellent episode this week where Aaron kind of shared one with so uh, an example involving a Sarah Silverman with just meeting it with a positive. Um, because that's one thing you got to remember, man. Like, you know, we used to say this and it was kind of one of those trite but true things where it goes, oh, they're just unhappy with their life. They're, they're yelling at you because their life sucks. And there was definitely some truth to that, right? But now it's not that there's not, not truth to that, but it's like everyone's life kind of sucks. It's a tough 2020, man, uh, for you in one way or another, or someone you know in one way or another, right? I think we can all. That's fair statement. So I don't know, man. Uh, I'm trying not to add to it. And one of my approaches, and this isn't anything new. I know you, it's like ripping off pay it forward, right? Except you know, minus the creepy Kevin Spacey. Boy, I hope Haley Joe Osman's all right. <laughs> Oh, geez, that didn't age well. Uh, but, like, you know, one of the things I've been kind of, you know, uh, to, to parlay off of that, um, kind of like I said with the heater example last week or, like, trying to do things like just 
what makes me feel better, even though I think what will make me feel better is like, you know, hitting the single leg takedown and then like choking these people out. Um, refrain, refrain from the negativity, the verbal or the physical versions of that, folks. And instead, try this. Just do something random, stupid, good deed. Even if it's something like cheap or just some kind of, just any kind of way to show um, a gesture to a loved one that you appreciate them or random good deed to love one friend or random person, right? Cause, shoot, there's plenty of those. Just try to vet them if you're doing it online, right? Um, and again, this sounds super cheesy and I'm going to push on to the breakdown stuff, folks. But like, dude, I found that it, it really, it really does help. Um, because that's, that's the ultimate trump card, right? You can get mad at this, you can get mad at that, you can get mad at me, you can get mad at this person or that person, but, like, what are you really doing to make the world better to, to, uh, you know, you know, in, in, in conjunction with these complaints that you, I, and everyone have, right? And that's, that's, that's the question right there. And, and the, what we see, of course, is a lot of calories spent on complaining, Complaining about stupid shit, or not stupid shit, but just complaining and not doing anything. So, less uh, less combativeness. Let's let the cage fighters combat. We'll bet on it, as we'll talk about here. And instead, uh, let, let's meet things with a little bit more of um, more positivity when we can, because Lord knows the Lord knows the world and and people in it that inhabit it need it right now. So, I don't know if you guys are noticing it. Maybe it's just my weird empathetic fucking radar, which probably is true. But um, but yeah, make sure you guys are spreading that around. We'll talk about the love you guys showed me in a second. But right now, we're going to recap UFC on ESPN 18. <clears throat> Very quickly, we went 6-4 and four overall in picks, which is like a sad average again, like I've been saying as of late. Um, probably for most of us, if we're being honest, but definitely for me. I'm not trying to compare. Uh, because I still feel better despite bombing on uh, Kamaka. Speaking of bombing, boy, it was like Pearl Harbor for the Hawaiians all over again, huh? <laughs> it's okay, folks. I can make that joke. I'm part Japanese American and from Hawaii. You like, you like how convenient as someone said, I forget it was, I think probably it was fucking Aaron. He was like, <laughs> it's so convenient. <laughs> the things you are and, and how you play off. I'll abuse it, folks. I will abuse it. You know, Dan already walks that tightrope of appropriateness. I'm trying to be better. I've retired certain words, if you noticed. Um, I'm trying to be better here. Uh, but yeah, aside from that, it was a, it was a winning night, man. I really don't feel bad at, uh, at all. Aside from that, we went three and zero, technically four and zero, but you know, I'm going to round down, uh, three and zero in straight plays. You gotta be one of the few guys who rounds down. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, the card was of course, uh, headlined by Anthony Smith versus Devin Clark. Cause why wouldn't it be? Uh, as you know, it was, uh, was it? Yeah. Curtis blades. that got COVID. It was probably saved me from a loss there because I uncharacteristically picked Derek Lewis. Um, which sadly I probably will keep the pick now again. Hopefully, Blades recovers okay though from the COVID. Doesn't have the bad version of it that we've heard guys like Garbrandt or Edwards get. Um, but Anthony Smith, Anthony Smith defeated Devin Clark. Uh, that was one where, again, I just the line didn't make sense. And I know I said I don't normally suggest a bit Anthony Smith as chalk, but the fact that the, the public didn't correct it and then, like, it got moved to a five-round fight and people didn't blow up the line. Like, you think Devin Clark's going to wrestle for it? Like, okay, there was a chance where he could have wrestled for two out of the three rounds uh, just barely enough, right? But, like, 
not five. And then like the interviews come out where he's going to promise a first round finish, something he never really gets, and he's most susceptible in the first round. And it's super hard to get Anthony Smith out of there in the first round. Um, like I'm almost mad. I double dipped, and I'm still mad at myself. I still feel like I underdid it because I didn't quite hit the max out on it. Um, and I went bigger than I normally do. I know I, I said I bet like a nine-year-old, but uh, yeah, I've definitely been going bigger lately. And uh, I did here, and it paid off because, yeah. Um, which sucks because you guys know, man, I wanted to go longer uh, for, you know, get get David Clark some more, you know, some more main event ring time, you know. Uh, he, we didn't even get to hear him get going, you know. Come on, dude. <laughs> And then, as I said, when the Aaron brought us in the pre-show, he looks kind of like a, he looks like the trainer from uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out, because <laughs> Mike Mike Tyson was uh, fighting the same night, and uh, <laughs> it was great. Aaron started singing the theme while I just was doing Devin Clark impressions. <laughs> Run, goddammit! <laughs> Run the punk! <laughs> and uh, anyways, uh, I'm not gonna kill my voice; it's already dead. <laughs> With uh, some David Clark, but yeah, um, it didn't last long. Anthony Smith gets the triangle. Pack Porter defeats uh, Josh Parisian, or as my friend Brad, Brad Taschek, who he's killing with the nicknames. Like, if Thick Willie wasn't already a winner for this year, a close second contender for this year, you know, not just, you know, months later, it's with uh, Carbo Parisian, the long lost, uh, Pari- the long lost Parisian brother that was misplaced in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus christ man uh so yeah um i'm glad that was on the avoid and again i picked josh i'm not gonna revisionist history that but i just didn't i did say that i didn't you know staying away from it because of that line miguel baeza was a line i didn't stay away from defeated takashi sato gotta give credit to uh my man dan levy uh even though it was a a pick and play of mine as well and we, we came in on the same side uh, on the line movement MMA betting show. Uh, he kind of put it the best, and now you've kind of seen that echoed and parroted to death now from Dana White on down where you know, if Baezo wins, he's going to look like a minus 300 favorite. And um, kind of like, uh, you know, and and, uh, and I sent him into that too on the show and as well as on Twitter, probably my article as well, that – if this guy hits you really you know it's you're gonna see inflated lines um not justly inflated as they should be but like even past it to now you're gonna see a bunch of people still going okay this guy's good but is he that good come on he's like we're gonna see stupid lines where he's not gonna really be even bettable for his supporters uh from a realistic fashion um and again it's just gonna depend on matchups but uh, I'm stoked to see Baeza flesh out his game because he's not done growing so uh, I'm excited, but I'm not like too excited because he's not a finished product yet. So, and I don't want him to get rushed. Um, defeated Takashi Sato, who maybe you know, speaking of Pearl Harbor, why what, what was Takashi? Where was Takashi Sato during the prelims, and why did he come out so tired, huh? Yeah, that smiling assassin. You can't trust them, you know. Dan, you're part Japanese. Relax. All right, all right. I'm just saying. <laughs> Jesus, Dan. As as if there's not enough racial tension in today. Let's let's go ahead and inject race from. A historical preference in a, a, an MMA breakdown show, Dan. Well, <laughs> oh jeez, sorry. We have a, a weird sense of humor about Pearl Harbor, just not just being from Hawaii, but like, <laughs> this is my poor mother. She's half Japanese and half white, but she looks white and grew up in Hawaii. 
um, when they still had days like called Kill Howley Day, <laughs> where they took rocks and threw them at all the white people at school. So she would get shit even though she was like as Hawaiian as anybody else. And then, you know, she didn't get much reprieve because the other part was Japanese and on December 7th, which is it's approaching. Uh, they don't do this anymore, folks. We don't know Hawaii. This is old school Hawaii, okay? But they used to, and folks, again, not trying to be racial. I'm Japanese here, okay? But preference here. But they call it Slap a Jap Day. And yeah, man, my mom had a tough time growing up being white and Japanese. So we, she doesn't take it personal, by the way. Like, she's still, like, you think she could grow up? Like, like, because there's like a ton of people, like, that, like, you know, white like what white people would move from the mainland and like raise their kids there, and their kids would hate Hawaii because their parents like made them grow up in a place where like they were getting shit and even beat up on. And sorry for this random history detour, but um, my mom doesn't have that. But what we do have is just a very dark sense of humor <laughs> that seems to be prevalent <laughs> uh, throughout. Uh, I don't want to say the, the islands, but any place where you mix a lot of races and it's a mixing bowl. You got to have some thick skin and a sense of humor, so. Or at least thick skin, that's for damn sure. All right, folks, so hopefully it didn't depress you <laughs> or offend you. <laughs> but I'm watching Sato. All right, moving on. Bill, <laughs> Billy Algio. Billy Algio defeated defeated Spike Carlisle doing a, doing a Billy Quarantine impression. Beating him by decision. Uh, making it uh, Making it very clear. Um, again, just a line I didn't get, and I'm surprised I didn't get moved on. But again, you, you just—I love these matchups when and and Bill Algeo is not like you know, like some like super process guy. He's kind of you know he's 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 pretty wild himself, right? But he showed some of some really smooth striking. It was really testing some things out and drawing Carlisle with some nice checks. Um, and you know me, I just, I just love when the technical guy beats the athlete and especially when, you know, the athletic side is uh, overhyped or, you know, anti-Semitic. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, Dan, why do you got to bring that up? Uh, Carlyle. Um, but, um, <laughs> by the way, shout out to the, I think it was the Sound of Violence at TSOV pod. Um, I think... Cause they're yeah, they're San Diego dudes, and uh, they went to high school with someone uh, with Spike Carlisle, and um, shared a very funny story of Spike Carlisle uh, beating the crap out of some jock dude. So, which I could totally imagine, by the way, like you know, some little like even if he was bricked up back then, like some little ginger kid, like I could I could I could totally see the wrong dude, probably a jock, um, just shaking the wrong tree. <laughs> <laughs> and getting lit up like like a tr- Christmas tree for it, uh, but yeah, Billy Algio, man. I mean, I saw him make a lot of fans, and uh, even if you were already a fan, like 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 I was, you're you're probably a bigger fan now. So thank you for that bump. That was a nice, that was a nice cash. Norma Dumont defeated Ash Evans. I really didn't watch this fight. Apologies. Um. Oh boy, did I watch this one? Jonathan Pierce defeated Kakamaka the third. Uh, that's what got me on the Pearl Harbor uh, tangent. That's right. This is uh, this is uh, this is the Missouri getting sunk. I think that's what it is, right, Dan? You should know. This is your history in the backyard. Sorry, um, but uh, yeah, this was this was. I actually picked and played against like the other Hawaiians on the card. This was the only one that I actually picked and played. 
but they all hurt because, you know, I want my people to do well. And, you know, um, although I probably didn't help the perception of them with the story I just shared, uh, <laughs> A, there's not that many uh, Asian Pacific Islanders to look forward to, and B, boy, do they not get thought of, talked about highly, and ultimately, most importantly, sadly, do well in general. And it's been tough for Hawaii in general, by the way. It's not just um, this evening. I mean, like, you know, go back, to, you know, to uh, I was I was looking at what was it Martin Day's like Instagram and he was like before this fight and he was I showed him all beat up uh, next to Max Holloway and he was like Max got robbed I got uh, knocked out it was a bad day I'm like man Hawaii's been having some bad bad days or nights for for a minute so um, it it definitely sucked uh, bad not as much as I sucked though for for taking that that line. Uh, granted, it was only paired with a Baeza, and Baeza the cash on that more than paid for it, um, especially the line I got. So believe me, I, I was fine there, but uh, more just stupid play and feel bad for Hawaii. That's kind of more where I'm coming from, I guess. Um, <laughs> Cause uh, yeah, people online too, not saying very or tweeting very nice things about Hawaii or Hawaiians. I'm like, geez, easy folks. Okay, I get it. You cast you. Cast your bet, but go easy. I'm, <laughs> go easy. I'm a peeps. Uh, but uh, as Holloway says, it is what it is. And this one I cashed on, man. Uh, again, it's not. I'm not blind with my biases here, folks. And we'll talk about that even further if I somehow haven't proven that already. Uh, but I was all over Anderson Dos Santos. I thought that line was off. No offense to my boy Martin Day there, uh, who was the favorite that I just referenced. But uh, Anderson Dos Santos showed why. Um, so that should have been maybe even a bigger dog play in retrospect. Either way, Bill Algeo and Anderson Dos Santos were just the dogs that really didn't make sense and kind of delivered the way most of us uh, predicted, right? So grats on you if you cash that. I know it definitely helped me. Um, it inflated too much before I even would consider taking this fight. Uh, I was also hoping that more money would come in on Ostevich, which is why I stayed away, and I was wrong there despite Ostevich being popular um she wasn't popular at the betting window right um so uh Mazzani came in and rolled outside of the back take that uh oh the boy he's a giffin uh and uh Mazzani uh yeah she, she she's uh muscling at muscle you know gonna be muscling them around at 125 if she can comfortably make it, it looks like a lifestyle change but if she can make it good on her Um, Sumaderji defeated Malcolm Gordon. Uh, I picked Maderji, but stayed away because of the line. But you know what? The line ended up being right, didn't it? Uh, with the way that played out. Uh, feel bad for a guy like Malcolm Gordon. It doesn't matter who you are. That's got to suck. And, um, you know, of course, you know, he had Joe Valtellini in this corner. I'm a big fan of Joe. So, uh, you know, that, 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 that sucked uh, that they had to go home with Yell there. Uh, Nathan Man is it Manass or uh, Manis? Uh, defeated Luke Sanders, uh, guys. Especially since I just rewatched uh, or Mean Streets recently, I just had the Robert De Niro Mook. What's a Mook? Uh, and shouts to uh, Brad again. Mook Sanders uh, kind of lived up to the uh, lived up to the name there, winning, and then gave it away. Uh, good on Nate Nathan Manis. It was a it was a southern scrap. 
All right. Uh, that was that. Uh, before we get to the breakdown, just going to do a quick read-off here of uh, some things you guys uh, helped me out on. So, of course, uh, at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com that hosts this podcast, you can go to the right. There are click-through banners for on it and Amazon. I usually shout at the beginning, sometimes always at the end of the episodes. Again, it's no cost to support the podcast. You just click through, go buy your vitamin C, your D3. That's important to load up in the wintertime, right? Um, the kettlebells, even though I think they just sold out again. I got some on the restock. Hopefully you did too. Whatever it is, at on it or through Amazon. And uh, a small percentage of whatever you shop uh, through those two, uh, you got to click the individual banner, of course, whether you're going to Amazon or on it. But whatever you buy once clicking through the portal will automatically kick back a small percentage to this here show. Believe me, it's felt. It is useful. Um, and you could do it all time of year, not just during Black Friday. But yes, there is plenty of Black Friday sales to be had, a lot of shopping. And a lot of you guys were kind enough. I'm not going to read through everything. That would take too long. But just a small clipping of that day. Some decent, real decent purchases were made. Uh, it doesn't list, by the way, the person. So I'm not going to be putting you on blast if you're like, oh, my, no, no, don't don't say that I bought the Ultra Vibration Max 5000. That's not for me. Don't worry, folks. If you want to buy any of that kind of that kind of, that kind kind of of stuff, that's, that's what flows your boat. That's fine. The judgment-free zone on this podcast I'll probably read that it's been bought, but don't worry. Um, it doesn't tell me, nor would I share it if it did, but trust me, it doesn't tell me. So it's completely private. You get your privacy, too. You're not giving up any privacy. But uh, thank you. Someone bought a Culturel Daily Probiotic, 30-count digestive health. That's really important. Again, these things are really important. Get, get Probiotics are super important. I don't think... Um, I'm reading through the Amazon, by the way, and I don't think Onnit has probiotics, so that's that's smart of you. But if you want to, you know, do some vitamin Cs or D3, then maybe, you know, some other things. Brickles Men's Texturizing Sea Salt Spray for Men. What is a sea salt spray for? Hmm. Is that, is that like uh, for nutrients? Is it like, um, some salty. So you can do that? No, Dan, of course not. Um... The Scourge of War, The Lifetime of William Tusimich Sherman. I like it. Someone's doing some some uh, some historical uh, reading that I, I really can appreciate because they did a guide to the Civil War in Nashville. The Liberation Trilogy box set, An Army at Dawn. The Day of Battle, The Guns at Last Light. That sounds really interesting. Actually, I'm going to click these links and check this out. You guys are giving me ideas, too, so thank you. Checkered Chef Cooling Rack and Baking Rack. Stainless steel oven and dishwasher safe. It's half-sheet cookie pans. All right. ATTCL Men's Night Driving Glasses. Driving for Men's ALG Metal Frame. Was that like some Steven Seagal stuff? Are you uh, going out looking for looking for some Antifa? What's going on? <laughs> Jesus, Dan, come on. Uh, we got Good Sense, uh, Omeprazorol, delayed release tablets, 20 milligram. Omeprazorol, is that the same stuff? Like, I'm having like a flashback to Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation. You know, when you got to fight, you got to face Sniper Wolf. Is that the stuff that, is that the stuff that steadies your hand? Are you Sniper Wolf? Holy shit, is this the same person that's got the uh, Steven Seagal glasses? Are you a... Uh, 
Shit, somebody. All right. Uh oh. All right. I'm gonna be. Don't end up on a list. I don't want to be getting. Don't you know? I don't want to be getting tracked. That being said, if you are planning to acquire materials for anything, I'm assuming legal. You go ahead and use that click through. Wow, Dan, that was responsible. Uh, old Mountain preseason cast iron bucket buck bacon press. Someone's souping up their kitchen. I, I appreciate this project. Because it probably doesn't have to do with killing people. Uh, Jesus, Dan, why do you have to assume the worst? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that sounds good. I got a cast iron pan. And yeah, it's funny. I, maybe I should look into what this is because I actually liked the bacon less in the cast iron pan than the other pans that I use. So I don't know. Uh, and I do love cast iron, so I'm just saying. Um, roller blades, etcher blades, women's adult fitness in line skate. I know who bought that one, actually. Shouts to you. Thank you. And, oh, this looks sweet. JFO Beast 5'8 Grappling Dummy. Black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. It's six feet and you can manipulate it. Black and yellow, black and yellow. That looks really fun. Uh, enjoy grappling. You gotta, yeah, you gotta grapple with something, man. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> boy, let me tell you, these, these, uh, these numbers get any worse. <laughs> I'm gonna be, uh, Doing more than grappling with a dummy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, oh boy! All right, on that note, let's uh, let's push on, and uh, I'm gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we're gonna break down UFC on ESPN 19 from top to bottom, right here on the Protecting Neck Podcast. Right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast to break down UFC Vegas 16, UFC on ESPN 19, UFC Fight Night, Hermanson versus Vittori. I know all the different names are all around there. I haven't had to come back from a break in a while, but uh, I actually could have used one and uh, it was a bit of a, a longer intro. But hey, we're, we're not doing an expedited version. Uh, that being said, I don't plan on taking too long with this breakdown. Uh, the breakdown portions have arguably been the shorter half of the show anyways, if you've been paying attention. Uh, we're going to start from top to bottom, as we always do. Uh, Vittori, despite taking the fight on short notice, is your favorite, minus 140. Hermanson, come back on him, plus 120. Open slightly wider, I believe. Vittori, minus 160 was the opener. Uh, surprise to some. Uh, I actually heavily leaned toward Vittori and, you know, um, was almost going to hit that bet button. But I'm like, you know, let me let me go back and take a closer look at things because I usually don't do that. It's very rare for me to do anything like that. I don't know why. I just thought that Vittori was the tougher matchup of the prior two. And I still believe that. Uh, at least I believe that there's an argument to make for that as far as you know, Darren Till, who's got some underrated takedown defense. Don't look it. Don't overlook it. Uh, or, uh, you know, Kevin the Smack Man, Holland. Um, Vittori's pressure. He's very athletic. Uh, a better grappler than given credit for, than perhaps his Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt leads on. Better wrestler than given credit for, that his credentials lead on. Although, you know, not really too much of a difference as far as, you know, 
Hermanson came up doing some Greco, but uh, whereas Vittori um, actually competed in wrestling tournament tournaments as well as submission grappling tournaments. Um, and you can see his wrestling doing much better since he's come to the States. However, uh, a common thread, and Jack Hermanson actually broke used similar words as well, which is always good to hear to say, uh, you know, hear, he, he, good to hear a fighter say, sorry, um, which is he lacks the same explosion and kind of knockout power as a, you know, Cannoneer or Tiago Mejia Santos, obviously. And there, there's truth to that, not just, you know, going by the old stats. He's only got two, you know, KO victories, uh, which is true, but they're not even KOs, they're TKOs, and they're on the regional scene, and they're against not very impressive guys. And the one that I was able to track down and watch, the more recent one, <clears throat> wasn't against an aggressive guy. Um, it wasn't a trit of stoppage, it was many strikes, and even then the guy didn't go completely out and was able to contest it. Um, well, you know, uh, the guy was going to lose. It wasn't the greatest stoppage, but still, just the point is, it's not like he's knocking guys dead. And um, as I said on the Line Movement MMA betting show, that like he kind of reminds me of like a Sean Shirk. Like his boxing is mu- is is boxing is much better than people give credit for. Like he's moving his head better. He's always kind of levered some shots, but he's been levering them more and more. You know, punching from the same side. Uh, changing up the shot selection too in that variation, moving his head better, like I said, but also even like doing those southpaw pull counters. And he uses that when he's trying to pace himself. It's just smart. But Sean Shirk had some like decent boxing too for his day. You know? Um, but he just didn't have that power. Perhaps because both these guys are really wide and muscular. And like they almost have that punching across their body feel. Vittori doesn't have the shortest arms in the world, you know, 74 inches. That's the same reach as a Conor McGregor. Of course, he is six foot in the middleweight division. And a tick, tick boy. That tick toys, oh, those tick toys. Uh, you know, and so he's, he's a thick guy, right? Um, and not that he's punching across his body like, you know, he's punching wrong. Technique-wise, I'm just, like, trying to, like, over-accentuate, exaggerate, if you will, how thick this guy is, right? <laughs> Like even if he's punching the right way, he's still punching across his body. Um, but seriously, like Shirk, the crux of his game is ultimately pressure and grappling. Um, and that's where Vittori does his best work. Um, I feel like uh, he has less of a chance of falling in, especially after seeing it, but falling into the leg lock trappings um, that Kelvin Gastelum did. However, we've seen him get careless, and like I, part of me thinks he just wasn't respecting Carl Roberson, which is why he got that brief neck snatch and takedown, even though he recovered very fast. Um, he's going to have to be real careful about going for head-outside singles here. Uh, he's got a couple different takedowns he goes to, um, but I would probably suggest as the old-fashioned well-timed doubles in the open or against the fence. Um, which even then, you know, obviously you have to still be careful of Hermanson snatching things up. And Hermanson's actually got a good guard as well. If you go back and watch, like, against other muscly European guys, like to be on top, like Carlos Vemela um, for his pre-UFC days. That was one that really caught my attention from Hermanson early on. Um, was just seeing how he kind of moved there. So it'll be fun uh, and interesting in those regards. Um, so for that reason, you got to suspect maybe Vittori looks to pressure but just kind of strike because he, he'll do that. He'll strike with guys that he thinks he can strike with. 
Um, and they'll just keep pressing, pressing on in, pressing on in, pressing on in. And that pressure and that imposing and the power he puts behind will serve him well. But if he can't hurt Hermanson and spark him into like a downward spiral of bad decisions, then I feel like he's either going to A, run himself into something early where he like does the head outside single like I talked about and gets snatched up. Or he's going to keep pushing forward and probably arguably win rounds, but you start to wonder where this is going, you know? Uh, in which case, I think that Vittori ends up looking like the, the deserved favorite. I got no issue with him being the favorite again. I came in leaning toward him. Got love for Italy here, right? Um, and I do like Vittori a lot, by the way. He was one of my favorite characters to come in MMA Junkie Radio. We got him on an off-fight week, I think, so that's why he was so goddamn pleasant and friendly. <laughs> As opposed to the Vittori we typically uh, see in public guy when he's fighting, right? Um, but yeah, I think he'll look like the deserved favorite for the first half of the fight, folks. But if he doesn't find a finish or start downward spiraling Hermanson, then I think he's going to run out of gas. Because even though his pace is impressive, he needs pockets to recover. And even though he's gotten better at recovering, hence the countering to cover his tracks while he takes his breaths right, he'll kind of stay in space. Um, it's still nothing that makes me comfortable going into his first five-round affair, especially on short notice. Now, I know he was only scheduled to fight in the next week, and I know he looks amazing, and he's doing the things you want to see on his social medias, like biking and really working on that cardio, right? But he was working on that cardio, and he goes so hard because he knows he only has to fight for three rounds. Now he has five rounds. Now, he's been scheduled five before. He has a regional titles, right? But that fight, the one fight that was actually the one title fight that was actually scheduled for five rounds, he ended in the first round, so we never got to see it. Whereas Hermanson, even in the regional scene, has been scheduled for five rounds a couple of times and has actually had to earn a finish in the fourth round before. Obviously, in the UFC, more relevantly, he did it in Jock against Jockery by going all five rounds on short notice, no less. So I like that a lot more for Hermanson here. Now, stylistically, Hermanson's had to make much more jumps. He's had to go southpaw, orthodox to uh, a southpaw, you know, uh, well, not counterfighter, but like pressure guy who can counter, who's looked to counter more at middleweight um, in uh, Till. You got the smack man who's got like the jab and the weird, you know, funky style. And then you've got the pressure style of Vittori. So Hermanson's going to have to make more swings of adjustment, whereas Vittori... In the same sense, it's kind of the same. It's, it's a guy with a grappling game he has to respect who fights out of the orthodox dance. However, I don't know if Jacare was going to press him with repeated takedowns, especially as Jacare, we've seen him get older. It's not his style, like a lot of wrestlers and grapplers, whether it's the back, whether it's what have you, falling in love with the striking. They don't grapple as much. The point is, we weren't, and we still really haven't seen Vittori against dedicated grapplers. Now you can look and go, well... Oh, Andrew Sanchez was an All-American, and Cesar Fajeda beat Hermanson, and that guy's a second-degree jiu-jitsu black belt. Well, those guys shot seven takedowns in between them, and neither got any off because both got off to terrible starts, and Vittori was able to run away with it. So it's a really weird sample size, um, whereas the Hermanson one, you know, you can accuse uh, Fajeda not fitting that bill that I gave earlier of the explosive athletic knockout type, but... That one I write off more to performance anxiety, and I'm not trying to write that off to disrespect Cesar Fajeda, but there is some truth to that. Jack Hermanson's been very open about his performance anxiety issues, especially in a place like Sao Paulo. Y'all remember crowds, right? 
and you saw him fall victim. It was a really weird fight, the way that played out in that whole sequence. Goes back to try to do it again, and then gets clobbered by Mejeda Santos. It looks like it's going like the third time is not the charm. Gets Talas Leches as he breaks his rib, but overcomes that adversity to get things done in the third round. So the sample sizes are tricky, but the point is, we really haven't seen Vittoria against a fighter who's dedicated to fight at that grappling pace and will make him defend repetitive takedowns. Um, and that's what Herm Banson is, is, is more or less going to do. He is always more of a Greco guy as his base, but his level-changing doubles have gotten a lot better, and I think that could serve him well against a pressuring opponent. He's also got a decent check hook that could serve him well. Um, but for Vittori, he's going to have to throw more uppercuts. That was another reason why I didn't end up picking Vittori. Not just because of the power equation um, and the common thread equation, like I've been explaining, but within those common threads, this Mahetta Santos, uh, which was actually thrown from a southpaw stance, um, and the Cannoneer, which was thrown from like a more squared stance, were all uppercuts that sparked those finish off because Jack dips, right? And Vittori will throw uppercuts and knees, but he just doesn't throw them often enough for me to me to me to pick him here. Um, small cage as well, so these grappling and scramble uh, are probably going to happen and appear more often than not. Um, so whether it's early or as I'm thinking late, I think Hermanson has more ways to win. He is the underdog. I'm not going to tell you to run to the bank. I'm not confident either way. I don't think you should be confident either way here either. But they're both playable lines, so I may, in fact, sprinkle on the side I ended up on since that side does have a plus money on it. Um, and the over, I don't trust the over. It's chalky, and I don't trust it So because both guys can end inside. And um, I'm not really an underplayer for the, for the most part. Nothing against it. Just, you know, it's, I don't know. That's just not really um, something I, I play a lot, I guess. Uh, or I'm confident in, in, in enough of. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to go Hermanson and just stick to the money line. Kind of like I recommended in this week's line movement MMA betting sheet. Ovin St. Pru plus 150 underdog to Jamahal Hill. Aw, the Sean Connery accent's not going to be the same anymore because he RIP'd. Jamal, bolt the door if you're coming in. Show me your sausage, Jamal. Dan, what version of Finding Forrester did you watch? I'm sorry. This is, this is a stirring tribute to Mr. Connery here. Jesus. Stirring tribute to a dead man. And I'm referencing a really obscure movie on our breakdown show. Can we get on with it, Dan? Yeah, sorry, folks. Jamal. Uh, is uh, I don't have an issue with Jamal uh, being the favorite, although he's really getting pushed now. Open minus 135 is a close fight. Um, but... The public really likes what they see, and I don't blame him, man. You don't get an athletic South... or a, a, He is athletic, I guess. Yeah, he is. I mean, I'm not trying to say, I guess, like, downplay it. I just... I always feel kind of racist, you know? Uh, stating the obvious. You know, he's an ex-basketball -bas -play, player, and I'm going to, you know, call the black dude athletic. It just, I don't know, rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> Why can't you ever say coming up to Compton? Why does it always got to be down to Compton and going up to the Hamptons? Why can't you go down to the Hamptons and up to Compton? You ever think about this, people? Sorry, I don't know why I'm hitting you with that shit. <laughs> but uh, Jamal, that's right, Jamal, and you're black. Fuck you, William. <laughs> Sorry, you guys, got, you got to see Finding Forrester to get these references, folks. I know I'm making, I, I just, I know I'm paying tribute by Sean, to Sean Connery and making him, you know, a, a, a pedophilic bigot. Uh, but that's kind of what Dan Tom does with all his impressions, in case you haven't noticed. 
you're one, the other, or both. Um, but yeah, um, oh man, do you imagine having make Connery like uh, say the H in that name? Like, uh, no, it's Jamal, 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 Jamal. <laughs> Sorry, on with the damn. Um, yeah, dude, he's a really like crafty southpaw, which you don't see a lot. He goes to the body, which I love. He can keep a pace. He's more precise than a one-punch knockout puncher, which is fine because it still gets the job done. You don't need a lot. He's a big guy at 6'4", 79-inch reach. Um, but I'm worried about more of the size equation the other way because Ovin St. Pru is clearly one of the biggest light heavyweights in the division and will be one of the biggest and most physical guys Jam Jamal Hill has uh, faced uh, at 6'3". Um, with an 80-inch reach. Uh, Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee. Uh, shout out to uh, Ben Cohen for top five thick fighters. Uh, OSP definitely. <laughs> oh, resting on his laurels there. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Wow, too many inappropriate landmines. Uh, the point is, um, J Jamal Hill has also got some good get-ups, uh, blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, but it, it's the wrestling, the physicality. And the overall submission grappling, where we'll be at a deficit, and and the experience, obviously, I don't think those things are too arguable. Um, I don't blame people that were taking their shots on Hill, but for me, like a seven and zero guy against a, a forty fight veteran, I, I gotta see more, you know. Especially if you're gonna be a favorite, um, you know, I'd be lying if I said I was uber confident because I actually do think this, this Hill Hill kid's got a ceiling, like. If he does lose here and I end up being right, like, not only, like, am I not going to, not that I'm a big victory lap guy, but, like, I, I'll tell you, don't, conde don't condemn this Hill kid. Like, I, I do think he's got a really uh, a decent ceiling, especially for the division he competes in. You know what I'm saying, folks? Like, I think he could do well and um, and whatnot. Um, but OSP 2-1, and one, by the way, Hermanson 3-1 and one unofficially against Southpaws, 2-1. Uh, and one. Uh, against um, South Pause's OSP. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think OSP is going to go orthodox because like, guys like Machida or these other guys, they really like that open stance look. Um, so I think OSP is going to do that. And if that's the case, he's got a really mean left hook, OSP. Um, obviously, it's his, it's his money punch, as we saw with the uh, Menafield knockout. Um, and Jamal Hill... Even though I don't criticize him for like having his hands low, he does retract his right hand a bit low. Something I noticed, and more importantly, a guy like DC noticed. And as soon as DC pointed it on the commentary, it's cracked by a left hook. And I'm like, ooh, that's bad news for OSP. And the other reason why is not just because of the wrestling and OSP, uh, his recent trend outside of his lone heavyweight fight as of late, especially these younger, uh, even southpaw striking um, guys like Alex Sajuk or Menafield, he'll go for takedowns early too. And even though I do like the urgency on Hill's getup, he kind of does this lazy thing with his left arm that if he does it against the cage, it could cost him like one of those shuck buys where OSP gets the ride position and gets to finish the round. Like I, I'm pretty sure he did it against Manawa. I know obviously Manawa was one of the two people that KO'd him. Um, but I'm just talking about that first round. More importantly, if he's got that kind of lazy uh, arm um, facing his opponent like that uh, on that side, um, We've seen OSP like that aforementioned uh, Mikhail Oleksajic fight. That he forces the Von Flu. He doesn't even need you to go for the guillotine anymore. Um, so that's kind of what was jumping out on paper. So I I'm picking OSP. 
Uh, I feel like regardless of what side you're on, you should stick to the money line because this could go in so many ways. Like, I'd be careful chasing inside the distance on Hill even because if it goes to the scorecards, I would argue that's Hill's best chance of winning. Like, OSP's a 45 veteran, but I think he's only won like four fights by decision in his whole career. Um, he's not a dependable process guy. He's a, he's definitely an athletic opportunist. Um, not the popular one, but uh, I'll take him here. Uh, we'll see. Uh, really excited to see more from Hill in general. Um, I haven't played OSP, by the way, especially because money his money line keeps going up. So that's kind of surprising me. So him and another dog I've stayed away from so far, even though I do I picked them and I, I do intend on I'm sprinkling a little bit on him. I just want to get a better number if I'm going to sprinkle. Excuse me. All right, next fight. Um, Tyler Santos, minus 225. Come back on Montana De La Rosa. Excuse me, 185 plus 185. Um, yeah, this fight, this line, uh, it opened at minus 265, so it opened a little higher, I guess. Um, I think... Tyler Santos rolls here. It'll probably be my decision. Not the most exciting one. And Montana De La Rosa will be trying to wrestle um, for oh, half the fight, hopefully, uh, for her sake, because she's going to need to try to get it to the ground, I think. Uh, but the physicality, take down defense and clinch with Santos. I'm not sure it's going to happen. Uh, careful if you're stacking on this one. I may throw Santos in a fun parlay, um, but that's about it. Like, small fun parlay, or like my usual one where I... Do the main card picks. Next one that was definitely uh, in a parlay. Uh, Roman Dolidze, minus 200. Uh, Joan Allen, plus 170. Props to people who got Dolidze, minus 165. I missed that boat. Um, but since considering that he opened uh, at this number, minus 200, um, it's not like you're getting gypped. You're just getting it for the actual price. Uh, which is fair, because I'm not impressed with Joan Allen, plus 170. Um, you know, this game's about as boring as Alan Rickman's Ansberg machine. Hello, you've reached Alan Rickman. Please leave a message. Hello, Alan. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Joan Allen is, you know, he's a shootbox guy from Brazil. Uh, he's dangerous when he's coming forward. Um, he's pretty scrappy, but, man, I got that Vinicius Mojeda loss burnt into the back of my head. Of course, he loses in Contender Series in a triangle where it's, like, the light of day. You know how they're, like, you can see the shoulder blade, like, oh, he's fine? Like, you could see not only his neck, his sh collarbone, his shoulder, his shoulder blade, and there's even space between all that flesh and shoulder blade and Vinicius Mojeda's triangle legs, like, where you could see through to the cage, you could say hi to the ring girls, um, you, you know, you could, you could do some lip reading. Like it was, there was so much light a day and this dude taps to it. And it was a high paced fight, yeah, but man, ooh, it was a bad look. And I know Mojeda's a black belt, but we saw how well he fared. Um, I think he got, what he got, like knocked out like three times or something like real fast. Like, uh, and I'm not trying to do the MMA math thing, but. Like, John Allen gets a shot af after that in the UFC, faces Mike Rodriguez, barely gets by him in what's an ugly fight that, like, Rodriguez pretty much gave away. I think he had a bunch of stuff going on in that fight, too. And who really had some stuff going on was John Allen, who tested positive for some stuff, um, which is why it's listed as a no contest. 
so I don't know. I'm not. I'm not too impressed with him. Um, whereas Roman, like, he's a grappler. That's how I knew him. But most people, I guess, know him as a striker. Maybe from his last fight, or he's you know it wasn't his last fight where he go, only got a knockout. He's gotten some impressive knockouts before and doing some doing some things. Um, and he moves really well. And, and just being athletic and kind of technically skilled and being able to move well, kind of a mix of those three things alone, will get you pretty far at light heavyweight. Uh, I know beating a Cadis Ibragamov, uh, the, uh, the, the, the the preacher, uh, as Zane Simon likes to call him, um, it doesn't count for much. But I don't know. I... Uh, I like what I saw up until that point, like the way he moves and whatnot. And, of course, you know, I'm a little bit biased. He's working with my guy Eric Nixick down there at Extreme Couture, who is going to keep him sharp on them pads. And I was texting with Eric today, and Eric was just like, yeah, man, no, he's great. It's great that everybody thinks he, this guy just strikes because his grappling is insane, um, which made me feel a lot better for my take that I gave on the Line Moving MMA betting show where I was talking about that athleticism, that leg lock game that he prefers um, and you can see little hints of it with the way he moves. And I like the way he moves. And I think he's going to get the submission here. Um, he could maybe knock Allen out, but Allen's got a pretty big, thick head. So I think he's just going to punch him a bunch of times and get him rocked. Allen's going to shoot or give up a takedown at that point. And then the submission will be short to follow, especially with looking how fast he tapped. Um, on best fight odds, the average kind of, Odds was like plus 500. That's what I wrote in my article. But when I was on, I think it was my bookie, I think I saw it for like plus 800, the sub prop. So I grabbed uh, Doldis plus 800 for a quarter unit, which was about all that's left in my free play. So I just used it that for the sub prop there. I think I, I think that's, a, that's worth a stab uh, and the only real prop I played. Um, but I, of course, I paired the leads up with the, uh, someone else on the card. Um which is really easy to pick if uh, you consider that I did it ethnically. Dan, that's not why you did it. That was just a coincidence. All right, let's let's ease the race stuff out of this. <laughs> Jesus, Dan, you're really going to step on some toes somewhere along the lines. Oh, story of my life. Um, Yeah, I so I, I took uh, – yeah, I really like the leads I hear. Um, yeah, the dude's like, by the way, ADCC winner, Asia, Europe, world. Uh, got a lot of different accolades, a lot of competitions. Um. All right, next fight. Oh, the heavies. Uh, the heavies of heavies. John Vellante. Hey, John Vellante. More like DP Vellante than GP Vellante. Am I right, Chris? Hey, come on. I'm married, John. All right, uh, John Vellante is minus 300. Um, everyone's favorite, Guido. <laughs> I mean, I would love a... And uh, Jake Collier, plus 170. Shout out to Aaron Bronstetter for actually interviewing Jake. Um, I was reading uh, Jake Collier's uh, bio, and it said, uh, "When did you start fighting?" And it just says, um, "Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up here." Uh, I'm taking Volante here as I pulled this up. Uh, not much to explain why, uh, but he uh, will be able to decide if this fight stays standing or on the ground. And uh, I think his right hand will be enough to get the job done. Uh, Over-under seemed dangerous. You know, this seems like a, a spot where uh, I would like to play it over, but the, the price is not really that attractive. 
In fact, the underprice is actually more attractive in this spot. Maybe I should sprinkle there because I can see John Volante maybe getting him out of there early. But maybe not. Maybe this just goes... This goes... Uh, as my man, as as my man Brad would say, fatty. Um, but yeah, we got a shade call here. Here it is, folks. All right, I'm pulling it up right now. So it says, um, "When did you start fighting? About 2009, mainly just to get into shape because I was an overweight guy. I know the cadence that I read that and the fact that it was." <laughs> An outdated bio sheet that they're using didn't help. I, I skewed that. I did the media thing there. But still, that was this guy that made me chuckle. I was like, yeah, yeah that's great. All right, uh, I'm going to take John Vellante there. Just leave it at that. All right, uh, next fight. Uh, Mavzar Evloev, minus 630, versus Nate the Train Landver. Night the Train, baby. Oh, it's down. Night the Train. There's no easier way out. Uh, shout out to Joey Odessa. Uh, let's listen to the, the uh, podcast that he's on and follow the action. And uh, I love uh, I love Odessa's pronunciations. Like if you thought, you know, Joey uh, Diaz's Carlos Conduit dog was funny, like uh, Joey Odessa pronouncing names is the, my favorite thing on planet Earth. Um, shouts to the old uh, OG uh, MMA Junkie Radio panel before my day being on the show. Even. Um, and I, I loved I loved getting uh, Uncle Joey on there. Um, yeah, I can see why people are playing uh, Land where You're not crazy at that line. I'll probably play him too if this thing keeps going. Jeez, it's about to hit like plus 500 for Christ's sakes. I'm a fan of Evloev too, always have been. But, I mean, the dude states that he can still make bantamweight even though he looks to be growing into featherweight. He's not the biggest featherweight. Not that Nate the Train is. Not that Nate the Train's the biggest puncher. But Nate the Train can hit hard, can knock fools out. Um, and that could happen here, especially with like a head kick or something, right? Uh, being said, Evloev can throw up those head kicks too, and he's knocked guys out with that as well. Um, I like his boxing. He moves his head off line much more consistently than Nate the Train does. Nate the Train shows it in his shadow boxing and stuff. He doesn't always do it in the fights, right? He does it on the mitts, does it in the shadow boxing, doesn't always do it in the fights. Nate the Train really likes to get in there and feel the fight. Um, his wrestling both offensively and defensively, mainly his defensive grappling in general, underrated. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how those shake out. That being said, I still feel like Evloev's going to cruise here. Um, he puts up a decent amount of volume where he can cruise and his better technique. I feel like the fight's going to be much more competitive than the odds let on. I do see this one going the distance if you want to find an angle, if there is one that's playable for that. Uh, however... Uh, I can't reasonably pick Landwehr, even though I'll be probably sprinkling on him and definitely be rooting for him to do well because he's a crazy dude who uh, is fun to watch fight. But uh, unbiasedly, the pick is technically Evloev. So, all right, next fight, Jimmy flicking the bean flick. Man, that is not his name. That is very inappropriate. Minus 155, Cody Durden plus 135. <laughs> his name is Robert Paulson. Um, yeah, I took uh, Durden here again as a dog. Um, mm. I mean, if I took him against a minus 300 Chris Gutierrez and he got a draw, 
I do like him here against Jimmy Flick if he can avoid that submission in the first round. I think it's going to be really scary. I know Flick had a more composed uh, performance on Contender Series, but that was also one-way traffic. So it's always hard to tell the cardio. Flick is traditionally do or die. And he reminds me of like a Jimmy Hedis, uh, even though he's less judo, more wrestling. This guy's from Oklahoma. I feel like Durden is the better wrestler, but the head is comparison because of there is a certain sense of fragility of the fight being able to really swing hard the other way, especially in striking or clenching scenarios. We saw Ray Rodriguez get him out of there, um, and that's no disrespect. Ray Rodriguez is a guy, of course, I like, uh, a regional scene guy who's won titles, uh, won a title for that performance even. But the point is, um, it's something to watch out for. And you can counter that by going, well, Ray, Ray Rodriguez is a bantamweight. That was up at bantamweight. He's going to be up flyweight. Well, Cody Durden is a bantamweight. And even if Cody Durden makes the weight, um, which he says he never has, I'd like to think that's a little bit of troll in there. As my man Hal with the tweet of the day going, add it right flying to Cody's tweet about the weight. Add a boy, Cody. Get that line back up to plus 145. And he got the line back up because it went down to plus 135, which is when I wrote my article. Um, and uh, admittedly took him because I, I took him, I took him late. I don't know why I slept on it. I did the tape for this one earlier um, than most fights, than most of the fights on this card. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, but if you actually go to uh, Cody Durden's record, he's made it before. Um, uh, uh, when he fought on NFC 38, I think off the top of my head, he weighed 126. Uh, now he's got the help of the PI and whatnot. He hasn't done it in a while, so I'm sure it's a pain in the ass. But either way, um, you know, it's it'll suck for his purse if he doesn't make weight, but uh, it won't affect your bets either way. I think he can uh, get this. It was on short notice that he gasped, but I think he's got the better gas tank than Flick. Um, he's just going to have to stay out of submissions. He's a better uh, striker. He's a 4-0 as a boxer. He's done pro kickboxing, boxing. Uh, trains with the Lima brothers, so that's why he had the good checks and responses to the leg kicks. Got a real stiff jab, Durden does, which I think will both those jabs and the leg kicks are going to serve him super well against a guy like Flick. It's just that first round. Uh, not asking you to follow me off this cliff because this is going to be a sweat regardless, I imagine, right? Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go uh, with the dog. I took a shot on the dog here, Durden, uh, plus 135 where he sits now, actually. Okay. Ilya Topuria, minus 250, and Damon Jackson, a.k.a. Walt Goggins, plus 210. Love me some Walt Goggins. Oh, by the way, Jimmy Flick uh, has a lot of Von Flute shows. He calls it the Von Flick, so we'll have Von Prue versus Von Flick. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, man, but uh, this one, uh, Topuria, I think he opened at minus 170, so he's been inflated a bit. But uh, anything south of minus 250 is fine for me, especially considering I'm only using it as a parlay piece. That's right. Doing a uh, doing a Georgian uh, parlay in the Georgian guys for plus money. Um, I know uh, I know <laughs> I know it'll upset the contingent who likes to fade uh, the uh, the Georgians, especially uh, guys like Marab, uh, which I, I get and there will be spots like that um, for those of you. Uh, in the future. However, um, these guys, I think, proved us right as far as their first times out as being able to get the jump on competition, especially Taporia. Uh, for those of you who were with me there on the dog money, that was a nice cash, wasn't it? Um, obviously, the secret's out a bit on both here. Uh, that being said, I still feel like his reasonable lines, I already explained the Daldis. Uh, Taporia, it's tough because it's like he's going to be shooting and we saw him get tired and like that's the exact recipe 
of what happened last time against Mirsad Bektik. And, you know, Damon Jackson can also wrestle, is a guillotine specialist, but is like a cardio freak. This guy was like, I forget what they used to call him. They had like a nickname for him just for his freaking cardio back in the day. I think he was on track as well as wrestling, right? And he looks the part, right? Um, so it should be all those flags for sure. And like, oh, you're going to grapple a guy who's going to, you know, be going for guillotines? That doesn't seem smart. I get that makes sense on paper. But you also have to keep in mind that Taporia, you can't combine his, condemn his gas tank. Yeah, that was his first decision to win. But you look at it this way. On eight days notice, the dude made his UFC debut in the pandemic era and still was able to earn his first decision win against a guy who was game and competitive all the way through, like Yusuf Salau, uh, where Factory X and every fighter at 135 or lower weight has been on fire. Like, that's impressive. And on the flip side, Bektik, you know, I like Bektik and, you know, I'm, you know, uh, friends with Dulce, respect that guy, right? No disrespect, but let's be honest, Bektik has got a suspect gas tank throughout his career. He's also, you know, pulled the proverbial uh, stunts, if you will. Shout out to the Half the Battle podcast for that phrase. But, you know, Bektik will do that kind of, that kind of stuff. Uh, he'll give up crucial positions as well in fights when he's tired. We've seen him do all those things on separate occasions, multiple times throughout his career. Not trying to shit on the guy, but, you know, let's be real, right? Like, let's, uh, let's be real here. Um, so that was kind of meant to happen. In fact, me and many kind of tweeted it out before it happened on the night of. That was a night where everybody was kind of getting guillotined. Remember, uh, the Canadian kid got guillotined as well. Um, so... Uh, it's um, you know, not to, not taking anything away from Damon Jackson. Like I was super happy. I mean, that dude is longtime Fortis guy, longtime Safe Sayud guy. You guys know I'm a Safe Sayud fan. Much respect to him. Much respect to Fortis MMA. Um, Damon Jackson was one of those first guys to get him in the door. You know, pioneering. You know, much. I love seeing regional guys pay their dues, and being able to get a, a shot that they shouldn't have got and winning fights they shouldn't have won. I love it. I do. Not trying to ask on that, believe me. Uh, however, I'm not sure he's going to be able to do it again. Um, but Damon Jackson's a guillotine guy, Dan. You just said so. He is. He just says he's good cardio, Dan. You just said so. He is. He's a vet with plenty of experience, Dan. You just said so. He is. You know how many third round submissions he's gotten besides that? Pause. Do you know how many third round finishes he has gotten besides that? Pause. You can go look. The answer is zero. That was the only one in his career, and he just got it. He's usually getting finishes in the first or the second round, people. And he's only seen the scorecards very little bit of times. That is right. Traditionally, by the resume, by the stats, by the statistics, by the facts, Damon Jackson is traditionally a do-or-die fighter, folks. So a do-or-die fighter against a guy like Taporia, who not just is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and that's another thing, Bektik, that's so dangerous about being a guy who gives up crucial positions and gases because Bektik, go look at Bektik's record. He literally only has like two submissions. And they weren't the most impressive ones. They were pretty sparse out from each other, just your typical RNCs, I believe. He was a position and striking guy. Taporia is an aggressive positional and submission guy, okay? Taporia has been grappling since age four, both jujitsu and wrestling, Greco. So he's got a really strong clench. You saw him hitting those suplexes. I mean, this dude is bored. Look at his back. He's got the back of a judoka. 
I mean, the back does not lie. Um, this dude's a machine. Now he's got a full camp. Um, yeah, I think I think he's gonna be able to get the finish. Um, and you know what? I think he can win another decision if he needs to as well. Um, so I paired him up with Roman Dolidze at minus one ninety. Got him for that. Uh, plus one eleven. I got him better odds over at um, Bet Online AG. But uh, again, you know, <laughs> not enough guys round down, so <laughs> so I'm trying to do the Lord's work, and uh, I actually use the less sexy line again just to try to give you the most honest and down to earth perspective here. Um, uh, but yeah, that's what uh, that's what I went with. All right, next fight. Justin Jane or Gabriel Benitez minus two thirty. Justin Jane's plus one ninety. Um, obviously stated bias here. Completely biased toward Justin Jane's. Uh, known him for a while. Trained with this kid. Been beat up by him plenty of times. Hardest leg kicks I've ever felt. And for whatever fucking reason, he hasn't been throwing him in his fights lately. And I hope he throws it here. And it's an open stage matchup against the Southpaw. But that doesn't matter because your boy's a Southpaw, and I can tell you those. What should be weaker outside leg kicks? Fucking Janes can throw those hard too. Um, and it would be nice. That's the best way to get the jump on a guy who is known for his hard kicking. You kick them. I'll adjust in Gaethje and Barbosa. They're just like, what the fuck? You're kicking me? They almost can't believe it. It's great. So I really hope Janes does it. That being said, it's obvious who I'm rooting for, who I'm picking. And it's obvious that it's bias as I'm admitting so, as I always do to you folks here. That being said, make no mistake about it. Gabriel Benitez is the deserved favorite. He shouldn't be this high. Um, in fact, the odds makers didn't open him this high, I don't believe. Yeah, they opened him actually as the underdog, plus 115. Now, I'm biased, so I would agree with that, but I would actually would have expected Gabriel Benitez to be an open as the slight favorite. Um, that being said, even though I do believe Benitez is the deserved favorite, he shouldn't be over 2-1 to one where he keeps getting pushed. Now you're almost going to give me 2-1 to one on the guy who was initially favored, a guy who people in the know knows they can win this fight. Uh, Benitez can be knocked out, and Justin James has knockout power in his fist. Benitez is only getting older, cut into that weight, um, whereas James, even though he's got a decent amount of miles on him too, the more that meets the eye when you count his am amateur record, um, He's proven that he's a tank that can take some adversity and will keep coming forward. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to get submitted by the guillotine by Benitez if he was able to get out of that Tucker um, guillotine. Or did he? Wait, didn't he get submitted eventually anyways, though? I can't even remember now. Jesus. Either way, um, I, I'll, I'll trust Janes. He doesn't list it, but he's a brown belt. He's been a brown belt for a long time, and he's a, a legit brown belt Um Justin Janes says, yeah, he got submitted the last time out. That's right. Rear naked. That's right. But he escaped that guillotine first. That was only the first time he's been stopped um, as a pro. So that's not that's not too bad. And uh, the only other TKO loss is an amateur. I would believe I was at that one. It was one of those classic um, where, you get kicked, where you get caught with a knee. It's a head kick, but you get caught with a knee part of it. Like there was always like instant knockout everybody. Like, it was one of those, and he, even then I think he still stumbled a bit and then um, eventually got got finished. So he's a durable cat. I'm going to pick him here. I don't blame you for not following me off the cliff. However, regardless of my bias or my direction I'm headed, I figure the numbers should at least be getting your guys' attention this big of a swing, folks. So uh, I'm going um, with uh, Justin Janes here. Next fight. 
Um, Jordan Levitt, minus 400. Matt Wyman, handsome Matt Wyman, plus 325. Yeah, uh, Levitt opened minus 300, got juiced to minus 400. I get it. I like Levitt. He's a wrestler and a jiu-jitsu guy. Comes with the tough enough scene, so I like him. Uh, Wyman's an old-school guy, and, you know, I know he's he, he's good buds with uh, Goes and George from Junkie Radio. They, he's done really good interviews with them. So it feels like I should like Wyman, but something about him in the back then always rubbed me the wrong way. He just kind of seemed like he was just kind of always just annoyingly there, you know. He was. I felt like Teddy, I felt like Teddy KGB watching him, you know. These guys hanging around, hanging, hanging around. You know, these fights like you think he's gonna lose, and there he is. He's hanging around. Two hundred UFCs later, almost, and he's still hanging around. And um, after looking like a complete asshole, to be honest, against like uh, Joe Selecki, there's that weird, disturbing behavior. I don't know what's going on with Matt Wyman, man. Uh, I hope he's well, but because that was not a good look, man. Um, so I'm picking Jordan Levitt here. I really don't expect much from Matt Wyman. Hopefully he can just, whatever the fuck his goal is, whatever the fuck his contract is, whatever the fuck his prerogative is, he just gets it out and is done with it. And we can all move on. That's how I feel about that fight. Um, Luis Smoka minus 135. Uh, Jose Quinones plus 115. Wowzers. Me, Uh Quinones actually opened as a slight. No. It was pick him. Uh, minus 105. But now you're getting plus money. I don't blame anybody taking a shot on Quinones. I can't remember who I picked last time. I'm pretty positive. Like I said in the line of movement MMA betting show that I picked Quinones. So I'm going to stick with him here. Especially um, with uh, Smoka's downtrend and the way things have been going for Hawaii, man. I'm, I'm going to be rooting for him, but I'm going to be hoping I'm wrong. I'm going to be giving the old shout-out to Phil McKenzie and the Heavy Hands podcast, the sadness hedge, if you will. But, yeah, I'm going to pick this here to outwork him to a decision. Um, Smoka's going to need to get a finish, and I don't know if he's going to get that. He goes to the body more, which I like, but Quinones looks like he'd take shots at the body. It's just the chin. And Smoke is not a one-shot knockout guy unless he's able to get, like, the Richie Voss sidekick to the head, something freakish like that, or an opportunistic sub. Um, I feel like Quinones rolls the decision, so at plus 115, I don't blame anybody taking that. Uh, I'm sure you get even more if you play the decision prop, um, which is probably worth looking at. If you're a Quinones supporter, I may sprinkle, but, again, it's hard because my hat is with Hawaii here. So, but I'm going to go with Keenan to see. I can go against bias too, right? Right? All right. How did we do on time, Dan? 114. All right. Wow. Longer on the breakdown. All right. It's deserve it. It's okay. A little bit earlier this week. All right, folks. Uh, recapping the picks. Taking Jack Hermanson over Marvin Vittori. Taking Tennessee OSP over Jamal Hill. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Did I get lost on that breakdown? Taking. <laughs> Tyler Santos, Tyler Shia, Tyler Shia, Rock, we've got money uh, over Montana De La Rosa, taking Roman Delice. Hey, Brownie. Hey, Stinker. Over John Allen, taking Jan Valente, GP Valente, over Jake Collier, taking Mavzvar Evlilev, over Nate the Train Lanver. Taking Jimmy Flick-a-da-bean Flick over Cody Tyler Durden. No, I'm taking Durden over Flick. What are you talking about? I'm taking Tyler Durden over Flick. Taking 
Ilya Teporia over Walt Goggins. That's Jamin Jackson, of course. Taking Justin James as a dog over Gabriel Benitez. Taking Jordan Levitt over Matt Wyman. Taking Luis Smoka. No, taking Jose Quinones over Luis Smoka. Sorry, my dog drinking water's got me off throwing off. Um, parlayed. Uh, I did the. Uh, <laughs> I did the Georgian parlay. Parlayed the two Georgians for plus money. Doldis minus one ninety-five and Taporia minus two fifty for plus one eleven two units. Straight, I took Durden for one unit plus thirty-five. Um, sprinkled on Hermanson plus one hundred five for a quarter unit. I'll probably sprinkle on OSP and Janes as well, but the line is trending upwards when whether you're on them or not it shouldn't be so i'm gonna wait and see if uh, i can get an even juicier line before i do that props i took dolize by sub plus 800 avoid list really the only thing i could write down was collier volante i don't know where the heck that thing is going though part of me suspects i may um go anti-fatty and play under so we will see there um good luck on uh Good luck on your picks and plays. Remember that nothing can kill the grimace. And um, until next time, protect your necks.